people um, were um, going to uh, broadcast this show to you live every week. You'll be able to download it, of course, with, um, the regular BTP podcast platform. So uh, if you're a subscriber to BTP, you'll still get the podcast. So um, hope you're all doing well. We're going to do this live now. So first of all, calm how you doing, mate? All good, mate. Hi, thanks. All good, all good. On this, uh, what day is this? Wednesday? You get to my age. Um, all, all, all the days I see, I'm hungover every day anyway. Um, <clears throat> so uh, lots to talk about today, of course. Um, you know, it's preseason has been extremely encouraging. Uh, lots of things to talk about, of course, with regards to transfers. The last week has been extremely encouraging. Obviously, Christian Martinez has done lots of other things. We'll also get to your questions in this podcast. First of all, Ahmed, um, tell me how you feel about Manchester United in preseason so far. Take like a breath of fresh air. Just everything's different. Just so much better than everything we've watched. Like you're depressed watching United the last couple of seasons. There's a bit. Of, there's something about us at the moment. Um, you look at even the likes of Fred McTominay, like there's a, the, the movement off the ball, something we haven't seen in so long. Um, the even even just the the attacking fullbacks, like everything that we've been doing, just looks great so far. And I know I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we have a, a tendency to do that as United fans because we're spoiled with success um, in previous years. And I just think at the moment everything's going perfectly. So let's see how we fare at the start of the season because we can't really judge ourselves until after five to ten games at the, at the start of the season, and then we'll see how, how good we actually are. Look, everybody wants to let you know you not celebrate winning games. You shouldn't celebrate this. You shouldn't celebrate that. It's preseason. There is no road to redemption with, with, with having a poor preseason. And, yes, you know, they started well in the result score. Yes, they started well in the previous managers, with the exception of David Moyes, um, who lost his first game. Or, sorry, Van Hal, who lost his first game. United won every one of their first games with their new managers. But it wasn't that great start that was the reason for failure. It was other things. So hope is imperative in life, whether it's doing your job, whether it's at home, you know, that's what the church provides, whatever it is, you have to have hope. There's an echo on this line, by the way, man. Um, so it's really, really important that you show signs of life. And when you see this United preseason. They show signs of life. And we're so depraved as Manchester United fans. We're getting excited about Eric Tanhag Bollocking players. You know, just as an idea, how much uh, we've been depraved over the years of, of the absolute bare minimum. But um, when I look at Tanhag, I see a guy that uh, is imposing. I see a guy that uh, doesn't care about egos, it doesn't care about names, it doesn't care about all the problems that United have had in the past. I see a guy that knows exactly what he wants, knows exactly what he wants his Manchester United team to do, and he's given them belief that they're capable of playing this way. The question, of course, always with United is whether it can be maintained. We take a look at Solskjaer's first game against Cardiff. United were exceptional, right? Everything looked perfect. Everything was the complete contrast of what had gone before under Mourinho, but they weren't able to maintain it. They finished second. They'd done something so unbelievably stupid. Um, by sending Ronaldo. Of course, that was an Edward Wood sending, right? Edward Wood wanted that deal. Managed to convince Joe Glazer, managed to convince... Managed to convince. And we'll get into Ronaldo because with Ronaldo, there's always pros and cons, right? And there's good arguments for and there's good arguments against. Doesn't matter. But um, the the downside of Cristiano Ronaldo was evident last season. It probably cost those girls' job. Um, <clears throat> but... The upset, of course, happened too. 
what I sense so much is native fans now when it comes to Cristiano Ronaldo is a complete contrast of what gone before. Like if you go back to 2009, right? The minute Ronaldo became a world-class player, he's been trying to leave United, right? I mean, he tried to leave the year before, accordingly. Then tries to leave 2009, right? Which he gets his wish. So when it's all, I love Manchester United stuff, it's always been a marriage of convenience. So for me, when I look at someone like Ronaldo, I'm like, does he upset the apple cart coming back in? Because the concessions you need to make to accommodate Cristiano Ronaldo are massive. And I look at this Manchester United team now, and one of the things that's obvious is there's a collective team spirit that's been missing for so long. I'll disagree with you on Ronaldo. I think they're the upsides outweigh the downsides to Ronaldo. And I know me and you have been back and forth on this so much already over the past few weeks in this podcast, but Ronaldo gives you something that no one else has given us. Now, I'm talking about goals and situations where we shouldn't score. That goal against Villarreal in the last second last year, that, that's the type of player Ronaldo is, and that's what he gives us. And so many people are on to both of us with the pros and the cons of Ronaldo, but there's it, it always outweighs the cons. Ronaldo's a world-class pl- player, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, he's a world-class player. He always will be a world-class player. Ten Hag has been quite vocal in saying that Ronaldo's going to stay at the club. I think that's evident that he is going to stay. I don't think Ten Hag's going to come out and say that he's, he's going to stay if he's not. So I think Ronaldo's going to be there next season. I think it'll probably be his last year at United. But if we're looking at what he brings us, he brings us so much. What what do you think that, that's so bad about Ronaldo, other than his ego? Because I think that's where you're basing your argument on. Other than that, what do you think that it is? Mm, that's not his ego. His ego is what makes him. I think... Um, with Ronaldo, there's like I said, there's good arguments for him, there's good arguments against. Um, when it comes to Cristiano Ronaldo, I think there's a couple of problems. One, <clears throat> you have to rip up the rule book for everything, right? He decides when he does media. He decides on what doctors he sees. Almost customizes his own training plan. Does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And you have to accept that. So that's okay in tennis. That's okay in golf, but when you're in a team sport and you're not the player that you were 10 years ago, that you did, that it was worth accommodating those concessions for, then you have a problem. So now you've got cost-benefit analysis that's completely changing with Ronaldo, and I look at it and I'm going, Manchester United to treat Ronaldo the way Ronaldo was treated then. Do you serve my purpose anymore? If not, go, leave, right? Because... When Ronaldo wasn't a world-class player, he stuck with United for years. The minute he became a world-class player, I'm out. Right? Thanks very much for all the memories. Thanks for all the love. Thanks for everything. Thanks for all the support after the Euros when I had that fight with Rooney. Thanks for all the support whenever everyone came after me. By the way, I want to address one issue here. Family issues. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't have family issues, but this must be an extraordinary family issue. Cristiano Ronaldo's father died, and he was given a few days off to go and see his father and go to his funeral, which was the right thing to do. Sure. I'm trying to consider, I'm trying to think of one incident a professional athlete has had that's meant he's needed to take weeks off. What? There there was complications. It was a very serious issue. His child died earlier in the season. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievably tragic incident. He was back a few days later. So what possibly... Could Ronaldo be dealing with in his personal life? It's prohibiting from him being a professional footballer. 
right? And how on earth does Cristiano Ronaldo come back into this Manchester United team and make it better? Okay, so first of all, it could be something to do with that issue of his child, Dan. We don't know, right? It's all hearsay. The fact that we don't know anything about it tells me it's something serious, I'd imagine. Because like most things in Ronaldo's life, it gets leaked. So the fact that we haven't heard anything to me tells me it's something serious. I imagine it's something off the back of his child, Dan. There's no point in speculating on it because we're never going to know. But what I'm saying is, is that when Ronaldo does come back into this team, I think Ten Hag's the type of player, uh, type of manager who has balls compared to some of the other managers we oh. had that would, would have liked would have liked to keep Ronaldo happy. Solskjaer wouldn't have wanted to upset the apple cart. Ten Hag doesn't care about that from what I've seen of him. I was sceptical of the whole Ten Hag thing whenever it was him or Pochettino. Me and you had a bit of a back and forth. I thought I would have preferred Pochettino. But Ten Hag, I think, is the type of manager who doesn't really care. He doesn't give a shit if he upsets Ronaldo. He clearly knows enough about Ronaldo that he's came out publicly and said that he thinks he's going to be there and he's in his plans. He thinks he can press. He thinks he can adapt to the way that we're going to play. Why would the manager say that if he's going to sell him? Why would the manager put that out there in the public domain on a big broadcaster like the BBC? If it wasn't going to be the case, I no. think Ronaldo stays this year, and I think it's no, going to I think he does be purely lack of a better option. But look, when it comes to the personal issue, right? Let's say it is so utterly tragic, which would mm-hmm. have to be, he still found time to put a transfer request in, right? And he's training by himself, so he still finds time to train. So whatever this personal issue, it's just preventing him from doing that with Manchester United. It's, prevent, it's not preventing him from being a from from training it's not preventing him from trying to get a move it's not preventing from him doing anything else other than doing with manchester united but is it the fact that he's a halfway around the world away from his family and his, his girlfriend needs him huh he didn't show up day one before they left either did harry Maguire, who had an extended break well but there are different reasons Maguire's there and i yeah and that, my point is, is that so we Ronaldo never probably is Martinez, Christian Eriksen, Flamer to Australia, but they can't fight Christian Ronaldo with. No, but that's my point. I don't think he wants to be there because of whatever family. Of course, we know. He doesn't want to be that far away, that far away from his family. So I can understand that. If 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 your your missus said that there was something and she couldn't have you flying halfway around the world, I'm sure you wouldn't be going. So I don't think we can read too wasn't much into this situation. Wasn't he on holiday about a week or two ago? Wasn't he on holiday a couple weeks ago? With his family, though. Not by himself. Well, okay. So he can take his family with him wherever he wants to go. Yeah, no, well, let, let's be honest. Uh, he's got young kids. He's got his missus. She could be suffering okay, from post-natal so depression. For all we know. for a move abroad then? What's the point of looking for it? Because you need, you, clearly, you're, your family and remaining in one place position is an issue. Well, the, again, Ten Hag's come out and said that he's in his plans this year. So what what we can take from that but is Ronaldo's Ten Hag's being, not, being Ten honest with the Ten Hag's not Ronaldo's plans. I don't know. I want, I, you, I, I want, you, I want to address something with you, Con. He put out a tweet a couple of days ago saying, fake, with Sporting Lisbon links. Yeah. He spoke to Ten Hag. Great conversation about the future. Two days later, puts a, puts a transfer request in, and the media can't address that. Can't call Eric Ten Hag and say, hey, I know we had that great conversation a couple days ago, and I know my agents put this out there, but what type of respect is that for, for Ten Hag? What type of respect is that from the club? And if you're Eric Ten Hag, why would you even want him back? Because I'll tell you what, if I was going to turn on, this is an opportunity for Eric Ten Hag to send a message to every single player at Manchester United. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you think you are. The rules apply to you the same as it does with everybody else. So take Ronaldo and make an example out of him and, and, and turn around and turn around and make 
have this as an opportunity, not just to send a message to the players, but to send a message to the football club. I don't care what you're worth commercially. You're out the door if you don't do. We've been 10 hours making people do press-ups and training for conceding goals, but you're going to let this guy do this? On your bike, son. Right? I, now you're going to what Ronaldo did it's, to them. Okay? No, but you it, no it, longer it, fit my needs. Sling your hook, kid. Out the door. Yeah. But you have to realise, right? We're not in the luxury position of having someone who can score the goals Ronaldo scores for us. It's as simple as that. That's what it in layman's terms. Simple as that. Well, what happened the year before he signed? Yes, but but I understand. Remember, who's going to score the goals right now? Who who's who's going to score the goals right now? I don't know. It's like saying who would see the shots if David De Gea wasn't in goal? Would be another goalkeeper. Yeah, but there'd be another striker who isn't a tenth of what Ronaldo gives us. That's a fact. We're relying. It depends how you want. So, so Cristiano Ronaldo, who wants him right now? That that's the million dollar question. Who does want them? I don't know. You don't know. No one knows. No one wants him. No top team want. No top team wants him. Why? We, we've we had get this them something they don't have. Right? We give them goals. Right? Anyway, mate. Honestly, I'm I'm not there for the top the topic. I'm, I'm, what my point in the beginning was when I look at this Manchester United team, the contrast. We, we've got before and after samples mm. of what United looked like without Ronaldo. They finished second. Right? Now, here we are, United team, playing with fluidity, playing with confidence, playing with happiness, playing with all the things that we want to see in a Manchester United team. Now, it may not be sustained. I don't know. right? But if United don't sustain that form this season, it won't be because Ronaldo isn't playing. It'll be because everyone else failed. Right? So, like I said, there's good arguments for mm. and against. And to me, I think as a football club, Manchester United need to move on from trying to recreate the Ferguson era and trying to recreate the Cristiano Ronaldo era. It's over, it's gone. New heroes, new managers, new everything. And they need they need to put it behind them. I agree with that. But that that's great if if the board weren't so lackadaisical and went out and signed a replacement. We lost Edison Cavani, right? We've we've lost him. He's a backup striker. Ronaldo is our only main out and out number nine striker, right? He, he, that's it. I know, but we're not Man City, mate. We have we don't play oh, like Man City. We, may, we, may... we can do it without an out and out number nine because those are so few and far between anyway. Those don't, they really don't exist anymore. They're, they're, I mean, well, who, what are we talking about? Lewandowski? Holland is probably the last real number nine. When I look at what's out there, you're looking at Richarlison. You know, why did he go for 50, 60 million when he's not an out and out number nine? But what my point is, is if we're relying on Anthony Martial, who, by the way, was out on loan because he was so bad. He's came back, and don't get me wrong, he's looked great, and I'm rooting for him. I think he's still young, he can definitely do something for us. But we're relying on him to score goals this season. Not we're just... back four years ago, when Anthony Martial first came to us. Do you know what I mean? What, what, why Anthony we... Martial carried Hall's team this first year. But why, why have we not done anything now? Why have we not made... At least one striker sent. Are, are we in the market for a sign? Because, because of what you just said, Ronaldo's in Ten Hag's plans, right? Yeah, but me and you spoke privately, well, two weeks ago, and you said to me, I've, I've had a good chat with the United there. I don't think we're going to be sending a striker, right? No, well, this is in the. No, no, no. What I said was, I don't think they'll be sending a central striker number nine. Yes, that was it. That's exactly the word you said, right? See, whenever we had that conversation, that was around when. All the news about Ronaldo had already broke five days. Yes, Why are we reacting? I got that information long before the Ronaldo story broke. However, 
He needed no one about this. Right? This is not... This is my point. Oh. Why are we reactive and not proactive? Why is the board reactive to situations that happen? Well, first why of are all, we not what proactive? I, what I mean is... Like because I'll tell you why. First of all, there wasn't a player in that dressing room that was happy last season. Right? So fan and the one happy either. Okay, so so Ronaldo didn't put in a transfer request right away, which is ridicules his reasoning. You know, clearly George Mendes used those two reasons because he knew United fans were upset yeah. about those two things and wanted to win the argument yeah. about why Ronaldo wanted to leave. Oh, we'll say it's signings and we'll say it's trans- Champions League. Absolute bollocks. Are you telling me if United say fear for a George Mendes clients, they'd be sitting there, George Mendes be moaning in Ronaldo's ear about, about signings? Not to do with sending to do with not sending his clients, not to do with sending the players that he has. Right? You think that this would be happening if they if you never had a same three or four George Mendes clients this summer? Champions League? Then if Christian Ronaldo puts in a transfer request the day the season ends because of Champions League, I respect him. I say, you know what? That makes sense. And then again, that backs up my point that we're reactive and not proactive. No, because the board, the board How can you react to something that's not happened. That's proactivity, mate. That's the whole point of it. This is what City do. City, City went out and signed Haaland and Alvarez, right? They didn't react to the a situation. Year after they, they lost up. their striker. They're proactive. They had Gabriel. They waited a year to send a number nine. I just said to you, they won the league without one. Nah. They, they this did. is the problem with Manchester United, though. We we have been reacting in every before? situation that we've done. And this is where we're at. Where we're at right now. We didn't sign a striker last January. Whenever me and you spoke, and we said United should sign a striker. Your oh. your argument was, well, we don't know who the who the manager's going to be. He might not Which like him. Man- you know what? I have absolutely hundred percent correct. Yeah, I half understand that. But at the at the start of the transfer window, we're not trying to move for someone like that. I'm not saying Darwin Nunez is going to be the answer. Hey, at the moment, shit. he hasn't looked great. He ha- he hasn't looked great, right? But I think he will come good for Liverpool. We, why, why are we not making these sense? Why why are we not like, trying to get Flavovich whenever he's available for such a, a low fee well, compared to what we pay now? In January, when yeah. United were not moving for a striker in January, which made Should sense. Even if even if they knew in January that Ten Hag was going to get that job, you don't bring a striker into Manchester United in that mess. They'd already want to leave. Right? So I completely understood why they said we're going to wait. Secondly, What's blatantly obvious is they don't have the money to waste on a striker in January if this manager in the summer doesn't want them. Thirdly, what did Tenna or what did what did Ron Yuk say about the year United uh Sam Van der Beek, Palestri, Cavani when they needed a proper defensive midfielder? Why did you buy these players? So this is exactly part of the problem with the no coherent recruitment strategy that's commensurate with the manager that you have, that they're the players he wants. I mean, Ranyak said this himself, you can do this in a window or two if you bring in the right manager and you buy the right players that he wants to suit his stead. So you don't go out and sign a striker in January when you don't know who the manager is going to be six months later because you don't know if this manager is going to want the striker. And no striker worth the salt is going to want to saying, well, I don't know if this new manager is going to want me or not, but I've come in. Not happening. So, sh- so should it not be our aim and our objective this summer to sign a young striker, right? A young number nine who can learn off Ronaldo for a year if Ronaldo's there, right? If he can be integrated into the squad and he's ready to go. He might be ready this year, but he's ready to go next season. That way we're being proactive in our pursuit. Well, personally, I I would do that in January. Um, I would, because the World Cup, January's right around the corner. 
You're not going to play that many games between now and January anyway. Are you phase Ronaldo out from January onwards, right? So you don't have this problem of him moaning, complaining, and, and toxic in the dressing room, right? So uh, you know, don't have the budget to go out and sign an 80 million pound striker. Forget about a young player that you're going to groom. You're not grooming a striker in 12 months to take over Cristiano Ronaldo. You need a world-class striker. So you can get a, a young striker that may or may not develop. I don't know. Um, but when you need to replace 25 goals a season, you're not doing it with a 19-year-old. <clears throat> and if you are doing it with a 19-year-old, they're costing 60, 70, 80 million anyway. So... Not happening. Uh, anyway, let's talk about some of the positives. Accentuating the positives. Listen, everything right now, Ten Hag's in this beautiful uh, honeymoon period. Everything's fun. Everything's great for him. Um, he desperately wants Frankie de Jong. Now, I spoke to people yesterday about this, right? I had Franz Hook on the podcast yesterday. <clears throat> and I was asking about what situation. Uh, I was talking to a couple of different people. And it was very much of two things. Look, at this point, it's really up to De Jong how badly he wants to move. How badly he wants to be the focal point of Eric Ten Hag's rebuild of Manchester United. Because that's what he is. And that's how badly Ten Hag wants him. And this is one of the reasons why United have continued with this charade and not moved on to other targets. Because he is the one guy Ten Hag wants more than anything. If this move doesn't happen, one thing that can't happen you need to get criticized. They've done everything possible to make this deal happen. Um, they clearly got assurances from De Jong before they pursued this deal that he would come back. Oh, yeah. right? That is 100%. There's irrefutable. No question about it. But there's a massive issue with £17 million pounds that's owed to Frankie De Jong. Now, we can all say means nothing to you and me, just find a resolution. But this is a serious issue. There's tax issues involved. There's legal issues involved. You know, Frankie de Jong could break his leg tomorrow and never play again. He's got a young family. Why that boss going to take that money when they're spending money on Rafinha? They're spending money on Lewandowski. They clearly have it. You know, it's fraudulent. If you took 17 million off Barcelona and refused to pay them, they take you to court, rightly so. So why can't Frankie de Jong do the same and get his money? You know, coming out in the press and saying, I want to leave, I want to do this, I want to do this, weakens his position significantly. So he's rightfully holding counsel, not saying much. And eventually this situation will get resolved. What I've said before, many, many times is Barcelona aren't behaving like a football club would expect to have a relationship with Frankie de Jong. And they, they, in the signings that they've made and the way they've treated him. Even if the move doesn't happen to United, how on earth do you reconcile and fix a relationship with the player where you've just treated him this way? So, rumours of Chelsea's interest, that's dreamed of Barcelona, right? Um, and they did that two weeks ago to try to get United to um, concede to certain issues, which they're right not to. So, I want the player. I'm bored shitless with it. Um, but it's hard to criticise United in this. No, I think, as you said, like there's no way United enter these discussions. And Richard Arnold and murder are in Barcelona without having the okay from the player. So that's definitely me and you wouldn't walk away from one million, never mind seventeen million. So you can understand why Frankie De Jong isn't isn't walking away from it. It's it's not I don't understand all these people. Like just yeah, just walk away from seventeen million, no problem. John United, you'll you'll make seventeen million back, but just forget about that seventeen million that you're gonna get over there. Stupid. 
doesn't make sense. So I think it's going to go right to the wire. I do think we'll definitely get him. We both are under that impression, I think. Um, I think it's just a matter of time. They obviously, it's probably going to come to the point where I imagine the Barcelona legal team are going to offer him some sort of payment, like a settlement payment. They'll probably get half of what it was and he would settle for it. Um, and he'll get his nice 10 million or something like that, maybe. And then he'll walk away from it. But he has to fulfill all his obligations of going on the tour because then they can say, well, we're not paying you because you haven't came on the tour. There, there's going to be stipulations in his contract. So it's definitely, that's why he's on the tour is to fulfill everything he has to do to make sure that everything goes smoothly. And I'm sure his legal team are telling him that. But there's no way United are entering discussions without him already having given the okay. So all this nonsense coming out from Barcelona media is just absolute tripe. Well, I mean, look, clearly they want to sell a guy. Um, and there's only one team in this equation that wants him, which is, of course, United. And I look at this and I'm thinking, United badly need a defensive midfielder that can link from defence midfielder uh, from the defence to the midfield in that transition. You saw how good United were playing out in the back uh, against Palace and um, against Liverpool and Melbourne. We're not allowed to celebrate those, of course, not allowed to be happy. No one polices much as native fans more than the media, you know, because it's all still so new to them when you know dominated. You know, meanwhile, we'll have to cream our pants that Liverpool fans saying you'll never walk alone every week. But how dare Manchester United fans celebrate? Manchester United finished second was a false position. Manchester United beat Liverpool. The first and their second team. <clears throat> Not allowed to celebrate that. But um <clears throat> mind you, I mean, what was it last season? Um Danny Murphy was talking about United fans celebrating. Who did they beat? And they said they feel they're behaving like they won the league. Spurs, I think it was. And um, yeah, I mean, Liverpool beat them like two weeks later. And it was a brilliant one, apparently. Uh, he was um, but uh, yeah, so we're just loving it. And uh, by the way, Eric Ten Hag used the slogan the other day that applies to my entire life. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> but, uh, um, I, li- I like that side too. So much of it, I just I love this personality. I, you know, my father-in-law's from Amsterdam, and I could tell you the direct like you would not believe. Um, uh, they they are very it's very. Dutch thing, right? What's that? It's it's like a Dutch thing, isn't it? That's just so how they are. Your confidence. You know me so much. Yeah. Their confidence, their organization is unbelievable. I mean, they're organized to a T. There's no detail that escapes their attention. I could go to my father-in-law and say, show me a tax return from 1972 and you walk in and pull it out, show it to you in unbelievable detail. That's the way they live. So he has enormous attention to detail. He's the Van Hal. He's almost the Van Hal that we wanted Van Hal to be. And mm. when you look at the intensity with what, how you need to play, that's exactly what I want to see from Manchester United team. That's what so good tried to do and all of that. So I don't get upset at that, but I really don't care. Um, that's what Van Hal wanted to do. That's what Manchester United should be. There, there's obviously so many positives to look at at the minute, and I, I'm very optimistic whenever I watch an edit, but especially at the moment with just how we're playing, the fluidity in the play. It's good to see there's players moving off the ball. Like last year, everyone just looked depressed. Shoulders were slouched around the whole team. I think he's really brought in something different. I think even looking at Riceford, like Riceford's body language is just completely different to what he was before. The, if, if he can revitalise Anthony Martial, Ten Hag is a genius because what we seen from Anthony Martial previous was so bad that we actually had to go and send him to Sevilla. He was that bad. So if we're looking at what, what he can bring us going forward, he's definitely got the man management skills that we've lacked. 
I, I don't think Solskjaer lacked in it, but I think Solskjaer was too much of a nice guy. I think someone fresh and new coming in like Ten Hag and players not known, because there's not many players that know him personally, whereas Solskjaer, you know, he has that persona of a real nice guy. No one really knows what Ten Hag was like. So there's so much to offer in terms of his man management skills. I really think it's going to be a good year. Obviously, a lot of people are saying we're getting ahead of ourselves, but what, why can't we be, I know, me and you spoke about this last week, why can't we be looking forward to, but why can we not win the league? Why can why can it not happen? Why, why are, we're Man United, we should be striving to win the league. You know, there's this famous saying like, oh yeah, we, we'd love to finish top four. I, I couldn't give a shit about top four. I want I want to win the league. That's the main aim this year. I want to win the league. Don't care what it says. People turn around and say, oh, you're being unrealistic. City have Alvarez and Holland. There's nothing to say that Ten Hag can't come in and change this complete dynamic in this team and we could go and win the league. Why not? Um, <clears throat> because uh, there aren't any genies and battles that you can find. That's why. Unless, no, see, uh, this is what I mean. There's too, there's too many people who are happy with mediocrity now. At the end, that's the problem. We should be striving to win the league every year, no matter what. Acid and you'll have any outcome you want. In all seriousness, look, um, Ten Hag's going to make mistakes. He's going to lose games. Yeah. He's going to have unpopular moments. And you're going to have idiots to turn on him. That's part of it. You have to expect that next season. You have to expect that, you know, realistically, that if they finish top four, competitive, they fix all the problems that they that, that have been so apparent, then I think that's success. And look, <clears throat> when we talk about so many of Nita's problems last season, they were mental. They, it was attitude, atmosphere, confidence. This is why preseason is so important. Go tell Zidane Iqbal the preseason is important. Go tell Charlie Savage the preseason isn't important. Go tell Jose Mourinho. When United were coming to America, one of the things that Mourinho was fighting with the money man was I don't want to be taken over the country. Preseason is absolutely crucial to how you start to see in the Premier League. You can't start slowly, right? And for Ten Hag, who's in the process of winning players' confidence, winning their trust, not just with his personality, but getting these players to believe they can be successful with this football club is so important. You do that in preseason. You make your mind up about people quickly. Players make their mind up about managers quickly. David Moyes lost his football club in preseason in Australia and in Thailand. Lost his first game in that stadium where United played uh, Liverpool. Went to Bonsai Beach, completely underestimated the size of the football club and never recovered. So preseason isn't important to idiots. And by the way, preseason is all about you. It's not about the opposition. It's not about how good the opposition are, how bad they are. It's about what you do in preseason. It's about fitness. It's about young players trying to push for a first-team place. It's about established players trying to remind their time how they don't need to be. This is this preseason is so important for every player. We talk about Donny van der Beek being in a situation where if this doesn't work with Ten Hag, then it doesn't work with anyone anymore. But that's not just Van der Beek. That's true for so many native players. That's true for Martial. It's true for Rashford. It's true for so many native players. If Ten Hag doesn't get the best out of you because you're out of excuses, and we've said this before, but you really are out of excuses, then who can't? What football club can't? Right? Where do you go? And by the way, if you're poor this season, what director of football, technical director, scout is looking at you going, you're the answer to my problems? Because it's been so long since so many of these netted players have played well. And so true, me, I think all the things that we've seen this preseason are exactly the things I hope we would see. But if we if we're looking at Van the Big, right? Just take him for example. Um, 
you're right in what you say about Rashford, Marshall, all these other players that are on their, their last chance saloon, if we call it that. We look at Van de Beek. Can he really work his way in the irregular position in this team? Uh, truthfully, I, do, I can't see it. I just don't see where he fits, especially if you sign De Jong. Where does he fit in the a midfield? You tell me, because I, I can't see it. Well, I mean, look, that that's a question that Tanha will know better than me. Uh, and the thing for for United is they need depth. You know, I mean, there's they've got a lot of games next season. They've got the Europa League, they've got the Premier League. You know, we've got FA Cup, they've got the League Cup. All of those competitions are important when you're not winning trophies. So he'll get game time. Um, Bruno Fernandez can't play every week. Now, obviously, there's Ericsson to play in there too. Um, he'll get his chances. And listen. If I'm Van der Beek, one of the things I'm picking up from our Ten Hag press conference the other day, but if we can't get a De Jong, we have to create one. I'm looking at that going me. Because that's where I would see myself getting into that team. Because you see, that defensive midfield position has two rules, with them without the ball. With the ball, you have to be creative. You have to be a Tiago Alcantara. You have to be a Jorginho. But then what do you do without the ball? Are you physical? You know, you can't have a delay you would have in that was, was technically super, but you can't have both. And so does Van de Beek give you enough physically defensively? That would be my only thing. But this is where I think that that comment was very we've got a lot of questions obviously to get through in that this is one of them. That comment mm-hmm. from um Ten Hag is very telling because he's basically said if we if we can't get him, we're we're creating one from here. We're bringing Zidanek Ballop, we're bringing Charlie Sapp, whoever it is that, that's coming up, right? So we don't have any alternatives to Frankie De Jong, that's telling me. So we're, we're not making a set. If we don't make a midfield signing and Frankie De Jong, we're not making one. Is that true? No, you never have alternatives to De Jong. They do. What I, what so, I heard so was if I can't get a player like that, if I can't get a player, not necessarily De Jong, because I didn't hear him say De Jong, then if we can't get a player like that, we'll create one. Okay, but who are the alternatives to De Jong then? That we well, make, that we make you know, um, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm asking. They, I'm they, asking they, don't see fit, they, they don't see fit to inform me, but uh, um, I mean, I'm, look, I, think think I, I, I think you're talking like so Ruben Neves. I think um, there's obviously players out there that you know, hmm. have it'd be it would be incompetent beyond belief to have one target, um, and and so th- there's obviously other players that can do what De Jong does. But like I said at the start of this show, Ten Hag badly wants De Jong, De Jong um, and, and considers him absolutely crucial. So one way or another, this whole situation has to get resolved. And if you look at the probability of it, the probability that it gets resolved where De Jong stays and is happy isn't high. But I'm losing confidence by the day that he'll come to United. And to be honest, I'm so bored with it. Um, half the time I don't even ask about it anymore because I'm so fed up with it. Um, <clears throat> but, um, you know, I, I think if you're a young player at the football club and you hear that, there's nothing wrong with saying that either. You know, I know Latin native fans will get upset at that comment. Well, what do you want them to say? If we don't get that player, we're fucked. <laughs> what do you want them to say? No, I, I, like, I like that he said that he'll promote from the, the youth team. I like that he says he'll back it that way. I think it's a good it's a good side to Ten Hag. It's something that maybe Ranić wouldn't have had the balls to come out and say. That, oh, if we if we don't sign him, we're just going to make one here. Or Solskjaer wouldn't have had the balls to say that. Because he, he would have got blasted in the media. You know yourself, anything that happens at Man United, it's blasted in the media. No matter what goes on at this club, 
it's out there in the in the media. So e- even the whole thing with uh with Harry Maguire, like the captaincy thing, I'm glad Harry Maguire's still the captain. I am. Right. I mean, you've had serious serious arguments about this. You you don't even think that Harry Maguire should be starting this year, but he is going to start. Whether you like it or not, he's going to start. I think you he's going to. You told me you, you wanted to be captain of Titanic. No, just I, no. I, I, I think I don't agree but, with. But I don't understand. <clears throat> I understand the there there's sides to, to this whole Ten Hag thing of he's seen. If he imagine he stripped him of the captaincy right now, right? Just just say he he came in. He said no. Nah. Harry, you're not part of it. I'm, I'm stripping you the captaincy. What does that do for his confidence? And he's someone that he might rely on down the line. What's that do for the rest of the players in the dressing room? Who is your captain? Because really, there's not many that many leaders in this team. Bruno or De Gea, you're not really changing much from, from leaving Maguire as captain. Give him six months. If And I've said this to you before. If he's not if he's not performing and in January you have to strip him, strip him then because you know what? In the summer, he's leaving anyways. Who cares? So he's, he's played that situation. Who's the leaving this I'm saying they would get rid of Maguire if Maguire has a shocking season this year. Next summer, he'll be. If you knew could get rid of Maguire now, they would. Nah, disagree with you. 100%. Definitely disagree with you. 100%. No. Listen, why would you not? If someone came in and made a decent offer, 50, 60 million for Maguire, it would solve so many problems. First of all, you can't give him the captaincy and take it off in six months from now because you finished him as a footballer. Right? There's plausible reasons to do it now. Because it's a new manager, a new manager can come in and say, this isn't got anything to do with you, Harry. This has to do with my preference because we want to change, we want to do this, do this, do this, do this. But once you do it six months from now, it's everything to do with you. Now, I give you the captain. You proved you weren't good enough. You proved you weren't good enough as a captain. Now I'm taking it from you. Now you finish him as a player. right? But if you do it today, you don't. Because he can retain his dignity. He can still look you in the eye and say, it had nothing to do with me, it had to do with my performance, it had to do with my leadership, it had to do with a personal preference from Eric Ten Hag. Eric Ten Hag didn't have time to evaluate me, so it clearly had nothing to do with me. But once he has time to evaluate you six months later and takes that, strips you of the captaincy, you're finished. That's a massive decision six months from now. Okay, first of all, right, let's be brutally honest here. If he came in and stripped them of the captaincy and said it wasn't to, it wasn't to do with anything other than his preference... He's bullshitting. Because if he stripped Harry Maguire... Of course he's bullshitting, but it doesn't matter. It's whether Harry Maguire can pretend it's true or not. No, the dog's in the street, no. So my point is, he didn't want to upset the apple cart. He came in, he said, Harry Maguire, you're still my captain. Who knows? Maguire could come out and play like a prime Cannavaro this year. He could. could I? Who knows? What? So could I, who knows? Probability versus possibility. No, I don't know. Too many people. Harry Maguire is going to come out and be Prem Brazy next season. But who knows? Harry Maguire's a good a good player. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, he is a very good player. He has been blasted because we were a poor side. He was under a lot of pressure, right? He was thrown in at the deep end. He shouldn't have been captain when he was made captain. We can agree on that, right? He is the captain of the football club now. Let's back him. See all this. They booing him. All this I agree, hundred percent. Listen, I don't agree with That's the booing. I, I, I think that. Um, what does that do for anyone's confidence? No, no, no. You could be no, the best no. player in the world. You're getting booed like that. That's shocking for your confidence. I don't right? agree with that either. I don't think that's right. I don't. I don't. I think that um, I supported Rashford when he responded. Right. I supported Cavani. I supported Pogba. I supported Cantona because. 
it doesn't matter how much money you make, it doesn't stop you being human. These people are still human. And I don't think it's productive at this point anymore to continue to abuse Maguire. Why should season last season? We know tend to move on, tend to get behind these players. And if they so like the everyone last them, year, by the way. Huh? Every player was shite last year, with the exception of the Hay and Ronaldo, really. Every other player was shocking last year. So why is it always the focus on Harry Maguire? Because he's English? Because he's the captain? Is, it, is that why the focus is? So oh, can I make the right decisions? No, see, you're, but you're, this is the thing. You're all not. Listen, Colin, you can take your pick to, you, they all got it. Rashford got it, hence the reason why he said that he reacted. Pogba got it, hence the reason why he yeah. reacted. Cavani got it. Everyone got it. Maguire got it yeah. more because he's captain and because he was responsible for so many of the problems and because of that stupid fingers in the ear against, what was it, San Marino, right? Because That's of the stupid stuff he was saying in the media about being, you know, I'm not playing that far or I wouldn't get picked. Have some self-awareness. Apologies. Right? And say, listen, I'm nowhere near good enough. I accept that. But don't tell me it's I, ho I hope we're sitting here in three months' time and you well, say, I, I, can't believe, I, I can't believe how right you were about Harry Maguire, but I'm telling you now, and everyone listening to this, Harry Maguire comes good this year. Paul Morrison said something about Harry Maguire that I think is incredibly relevant. Harry Maguire is very good in a deep-line defence. Okay, but when you play a high line, I remember when Raphael Sheet went to Celtic. <clears throat> very, very elegant defender. As soon as they played a high line, he got rinsed in behind, in behind every single time because he was slow. Manchester United play a high line, high pressure line, right? Push up. Harry Maguire is not suited to that type of football. One, he's not technical enough. Two, I mean, take a look at how many times he can call playing out from the back. Millions. Take a look at his decision making with the ball at his feet. These are not things calm that are done to confidence. These these are automaticities. These are inbred decisions that you're making, right? That have nothing to do with anything other than you having bad habits. Right, because you see, you can tell a bad player from a bad game. Okay, totally different things. Bad, great players can have bad games, but you can see that they're doing a lot of their things. It's just not happening. Why does a lot of the wrong things? Right, his marking on set pieces atrocious. Right, his look at that Leicester game. His defensive awareness in the box, unbelievable. I know he just came back from injury. It was a disgrace. I mean, I, I, we watch professional football. One of the reasons why we pay in to watch professional football is because we're watching human beings do things we can't do. I guarantee you could have pulled 20 drunk men out of that stadium in the away end that would have played better than Maguire at Leicester against his old club. He was atrocious. Watch him against Liverpool. Watch him against City. Rinsed. If you're a striker, let me play against him. Now, listen, I's clearly better than what we've seen. I don't agree with the abuse. But we can't forget last season didn't happen. And this is something that I said after Liverpool and I said after City, these players should never be allowed to forget their surrender because if that's in you, it will happen again, okay? So while we're all in this feel-good bubble right now, everything's going great, you know, it's not the time to be a dickhead in the dressing room because everyone's positive. But trust me, bad times will come. Dark times will come. Then we find out what these players are made of. Remember what, what, what Roy Keane said. Lepers don't change their spots. They all threw, they threw Mourinho on the bus, and they'll throw Wally on the bus, and they did. So now what United have to do is to make sure there's parameters, strict control parameters from above that says, if you try this again, you're out. And this is why it's so important to boot Ronaldo out now. <clears throat>
Right. So, see, see, just going back to the Maguire thing for one second. If you're telling me, right, that that Ten Hag's made him captain, he has to start every game. Maguire starts every every game, right? I know you were probably laughing that Prime David. No, made I was laughing at a comment there. Someone was asking me about how yeah. much, how many grams was Ten Hag doing? I, don't I know seen that as well. I would say, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> but my point is right. We signed Lissandro Martinez. We have Rafael Varane. We've got Lindelof. We've got Maguire. Does this mean by goes? Maguire's going to start every game, right? That's that's a given. If you're you're captain of the football club, you're starting every game. So if we're going to play four in defence, I think it possibly could be five. But if we're going to play four in defence, who's who's his, who's his partner going to be? Because you just signed Lissandro Martinez. Well, yeah, this is so to me, it. Um... Tenhag also said about Maguire that he has to earn the right to play, right? So I don't expect Ten Hag will allow a season to be tanked just to keep Maguire on the team. So you'd have to earn that place, and Lissandro Martinez puts pressure on him. He's a left-footed centre-back, something Solskjaer wanted two seasons ago. So it's a player, and I had said in this podcast a couple weeks ago that clearly he saw a problem on the left-hand side of defence, which he then alluded to in his press conference so for me um not a uh with the left back that it's Varane is injured too much there's issues with Bayou internally i'm not going to get into that um yeah. cause united to want him to leave we know that he either is from sublime or ridiculous he has the ability to be a exceptional defender but consistency i don't know um and with lindelof the thing about Lindelof is his weakness, which Mourinho highlighted, is he can be bullied. You know, Martinez is not a type that can be bullied, right? If you talk about that warrior spirit, right? So I think uh, he gives United something different than what they currently have. Could we see him in defensive midfield, Lissandro Martinez? Because I know that that's a, that's a possibility, right? Well, <clears throat> with Ten Hag's turn around and saying, if we can't get that player, we'll have to create one. Mm. I mean, he would know if Martinez can play defensive midfield or not. Clearly, he doesn't see him as a potential solution in that position. Yeah. So, I don't think so. Uh, I think uh, that's a specialised position. That's a position you don't just throw someone in and say, do a job. You can do it at left back, you can do it at right back. can't do it at centre back. can't do it anywhere down the middle of your team. That's why, you know, when you're saying Phil Jones, centre back, they played him at right back, right? Because putting young players down the middle of your team is very, very risky. Very risky. That's why I don't think they'll go with the young player in that position. I don't think they'll go with an academy player in that position. I think they're going to go for someone tried and trusted in that position because that's a position you can't get wrong. That's a position that can cost you everything else. That's like um, that's the bottom of your boat. If you got a hole in the bottom of your boat, doesn't matter how good your engines are, doesn't matter how good your captains are, doesn't matter how good your sailors are, doesn't matter how, how nice the boat is, you're sinking. That's a position where you can sink if you don't get the right player. So I think uh, sure. that's the reason why United want the young so bad. So I don't think that I, I don't I don't I don't see them going with a makeshift yeah. player in that position. Um, do you want to get to some questions? Wait, sure. I am. I was just about to say what we're we're going on a bit, so we'll get the questions. So, first one we've got here is uh, we've kind of covered it to be fair, but um, overall, so, so it's from UT. Overall thoughts on De Jong? Do you see a plan B happening, or do you think we could wait another twelve months and sign him then? No, 
I don't want to wait another 12 months. I think it's a, like I just said, it's a position you need a badly want to address. So I think um, they'll move on another target. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of targets in that position that you need badly want, but I think they will move on someone else. Um, I know what Ten Hag said about creating a player in there, but I don't think they will. I think they'll, they'll, they'll eventually sign someone for that position. Really, they've only spent, you know, I know when you look at, 55 million because they've got the loan fee for Dean Henderson. They already sold Andres Pereira. There'll be others at the door. So there's still a significant portion of that budget being kept aside for someone like De Jong. Yeah. Um, ben, ben Yates, or sorry, Kevin Umani has asked, is there any truth in Yuri Tielemans set the same for Manchester United? I haven't seen that anywhere, so maybe it's something that's came out recently. I'm not too sure, but he's the type of player I, I would like to see. It. You know, I think he, he's good. I think he he gives us something different. He's he's kind of like the young in ways too. So I, I think he could be a possibility. I'm sure he's someone you'd have looked at. It'd be, it'd be um, an apt if they didn't. Um, I've never yeah. once heard his name mentioned. So I'm not saying that that's not yeah, true. I'm just saying I have no no information on it. He's down to the last year of his contract. I would imagine if he needed really wanted him to the move from already. Yeah. Um, Matt Davis has asked, he would love to hear our thoughts on Garner's chances of featuring this season. I don't personally think Garner will feature this season. I think he'll mm. end up at Forest again for probably another one-year loan. And then let's see what at the end of the year what happens. Um, I just don't think he's he's ready. Let's see how he performs for Forest in the Premier League. And then let's make it a, a more informed decision at the end of that. In my opinion, I think that's the way we'll play it. I can't see him featuring much of the season. I completely agree. I think he needs to play a year in the Premier League. Look, goes back to what was just said earlier about... You don't take risks in that position. You know, you don't, let's throw him in there and see how he does, right? You need a better body of work from Jimmy Conner and you need a season in the Premier League that says he can handle all the things that come at him. Because you don't, you need Jimmy Conner to answer questions on loan that he's not going to answer at Manchester United. He needs to be asked the question, are you good enough at this level? And that question needs to be answered at Forest, not mm -hmm. United. Um, J 2 has asked, You've touched on this being make or break season for the Glazers. We'll have touched on that probably a bit too much. Mm -hmm. Um, what would need to happen in this season in order for the Glazers to consider selling the club? Is it worth that happening to us to get them out of there? I a short term pain for long term gain. I kinda I don't I don't agree with that. I don't think uh we should ever suffer any sort of short term pain for a long term mm -hmm. gain, even if it is to get the Glazers out of the club, which would be great. I just don't think it's it's the right way to do it. And I don't think, to be honest, it's a business model. I can't see them just Ship shutting up shop very quickly. It's a, it's going to be a long process to get the Glazers out. Probably going to take something like two to three years before they're going to sell. You know, when you look at Abramovich, it can happen quickly once the wheels start turning. Mm -hmm. When it comes to short term pain, long term you know, gain, I would be okay with that if I knew who the new owners were going to be. What I wouldn't be okay with is getting rid of Glazers and replacing them with Saudis or someone like that. Right. I despise the Glazers with everything in my body because they are a complete opposition to me. I love Manchester United and I love everything that's great about the football club, not about the business. They love everything about the business and I, we, we stand in opposition to each other. I'd never reconcile their ownership. I don't think it, it, well, it's ever anything. I think it's the second worst thing to happen to the football club after Munich. Um, <clears throat> so as far as the Glazers go, look, the Glazers are not a multi-billionaire family. They're not Stan Kroenke. You know, Stan Kroenke is way richer than him. Stan Cranky's wife owns Walmart. Uh, yeah. 
you know, Walmart has a bigger economy than most countries. So um, she, they're very wealthy. Glazers aren't like that. So they're very, very vulnerable to financial markets. Now, we started this conversation talking about Ronaldo. Ronaldo wanted to leave because of not sending players. You can, If he was smart, he'd use that argument in 2009. Right, because what they what they is replacing with Bertrand, Owen, uh, a mm. garbage Valencia. Why? Because the economy crashed, right? So United didn't have the money. Liverpool went bankrupt because of it, right? Because Hicks and Gillette done a similar thing to what the Glazers did. Glazers refinanced in March that year, which just saved their bacon, or they would have been in exactly the same position. So when you look at United's share price which is atrocious the commercial revenue hasn't grown in four years you look at where the financial markets are going which is going to strip another massive interest rate hike coming here from the feds you know debt is in dollars their ability to borrow money is not going to be the same they've borrowed money twice in the last two years once 100 million uh for operating costs during the pandemic then they sold shares which clubs saw no money on right their ability to do that's going to be significantly diminished because one, the share price is so low. Two, there's the only other way to sell shares and get revenue into a football club is to get vote, sell voting shares, which again would greatly prohibit their ability to take money out. Three, there's a Glazer clause in the Todd Bowley deal for Chelsea. If that gets ubiquitously applied, where it makes it very difficult for executives to take out money out of a football club, you question what's the incentive for them to own it anymore. So, uh, but if I'm a billionaire, I'm going to wait. I'm going to let United bleed. Because even if they are successful next season on the pitch, the only metric the Glazers care about is whether they're successful financially off it. And there's no guarantee that one will result in the other. You, there's a drag, there's a lag. You know, usually if you're successful on the pitch, that money follows. So mm. the question really is um, if United aren't successful next season, the commercial revenue drops. The Adidas deal kicks in. If they don't finish in the top four, they lose that Adidas money. They continue to lose commercial revenue. Can they really continue to absorb those hits and invest in the football club? I don't think so. So it's a simple extrapolation of logic. And I think most likely, if there's a serious bidder in the next 12 months, they would sell. Interesting. Um, seven elite analysis who's always on to both of us about this podcast. So he's always messaging us about something. He says, are United still negotiating for Anthony um, and are they going to get it done? Well, I don't know if, uh, if they're going to get it done or not. I mean, that's impossible to say, but he's definitely something you're very interested in um, a few weeks ago. So, you know, so the interest is still there. They did, well, he didn't do a double deal with Lissandro Martinez and Anthony because I would imagine mm. that Ajax still have to sign players too before they can agree to sell Anthony. United will know what it's going to cost. When you talk about players from Holland, the two most expensive players from Holland are Matthias Delict and Frankie de Jong, both of whom will probably be sold by the football clubs. Delict is already gone, and if de Jong goes, neither of them will have gone for more money than what they were bought for. So the question is, do you pay that much money for a player from the Eredivisie? I don't think you do. I don't think Ajax can ask for £80 million for a player from the Eredivisie, because, again, we talked about Jimmy Garner. Same, th same situation applies, right? So, are they good enough? How do we know we're not getting a Dusan Tadic or a Hakim Ziyech? You know, mm -hmm. we don't. You don't know. 
And so, or on the beak. So I think uh, anything more than 60 million, you know, it should, shouldn't entertain it. Alejandro Cortez has said, um, after three weeks having the squad, Ten Hag's got a better idea. We've heard Wambasaka and Tellas potentially being the first ones out. I, I haven't heard of Wambasaka, the first one out. That's interesting. Um, but has there been any contact with other clubs to move any of these players? Well, I mean, look, <laughs> United would, would love United to get a run back. The question about uh, Wambasaka and other players is who wants to pay decent money for them? You know, United are not getting 50 million or money back on Wambasaka. You know, so uh, the question really then becomes you need to have other immediate needs. If two weeks to go in the window, a decent offer comes in for Wambasaka, they'd sell, right? right? As you can see with the way Ten Hag wants to play, it's hard to see how Wambasaka fits into that, right? Wambasaka is a very, very good one on one defender, right? No question about it. Huh? Does Dalo does Dalo fit into it? No, but Dalo gives you more going forward, right? Technically, he's better going forward. There's no question about that, right? Wan Bissaka yeah. is one of the most limited technical footballers I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's genuinely yeah, staggering, right? He's very, very. You know, I remember when Jack Charlton uh, was the thing he said about Jack Charlton. Yeah, couldn't really play football, but I could defend. That reminds me of Wan Bissaka. I know, but in my opinion. We we need a replacement. We need we need. Oh, a, that, of course, no question. There wouldn't be someone one second so without someone being brought in. We need we need a, a starting right back because I don't think Dallow does it for me. Um, right, we'll get one more question in here. There's so many. I'm just gonna pick one before we go. So um, so many here. One second, mate. Yeah, do you think United could spread the budget around a little if they don't get Frankie De Jong and maybe sign more players? Than what we were expected to sign. That's from Geroid. So, no, because I think Ten Hag has a very specific um, recruitment program. So, I don't think what will happen is if you don't send a young, they'll go ahead and spread it around other players like they did with Sancho and didn't send Sancho and then all of a sudden send Van de Beek, send, um, you know, uh, Cavani and, you know, spread it about amongst other players, Palestra, everything else. Um, I don't think that will happen. I think you'll have a very, very clear, concise idea of what they want. If they don't get those players, they'll wait. Um, so uh, I, I don't see that happening, no. And I think uh, ridiculous criticism of Ten Hag going back to his old football club to say, so did, did Mourinho not do I mean, I could go through a thousand managers who've done this. I know. And it, I know. And, and it wasn't an issue. You know, and so... Uh, I mean, have they not been watching it over the last number of years to see what the problem is inside that dressing room? There's, there's so, there were so many problems, but I just hope like we're we're going to end this on a positive note. I think I just there's there's a definite change in everything. There, we 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 can see it so clear from where we are. So I imagine the players in the dressing room see it ten times over. There's a there's something about the play. There's just that click. Something's just clicked, and let's hope it continues. But we, we can't really judge it again. Like I said. Let's let's talk about it five weeks in after we've had five games in the prem and see what what we're like after that because it's all well and good like you said it's very important to play in pre season but we're not getting to see the real Manchester United we're not getting to see the real starting eleven we're not getting to see the subs that we'd be making 
in the Premier League that you know what I mean. So it can't really judge on it. Um, and the teams we're playing aren't aren't fully strengthened either. So let, let's judge it after five games. I don't think anyone. I mean, I don't know why people think United the fans need this pointed out. Where and I'm not saying you, but I'm saying the media in general that it's only Crystal Palace. It's only the, well, we know. Um, right? We watch football. I know. Right? And, and and we know it's preseason. This is not our first year watching football, right? That's all. That's all we're reading in the media at the minute. What everything is, the thing, right? You can't learn to run before you can walk. So United mm. are learning to walk. And if they can't run a marathon, it won't be because they, you know, they, they because of how they walk. It'll be because of how they run. So when they, the, the, when you're resuscitating this football club. And trying to get back to a point where you're actually competitive and you resemble Manchester United, you, you start with a good preseason, right? If you need to lose every game of preseason, the headlines would be Dan Hogg's an idiot, Dan Hogg's behind the ball, Dan Hogg's team's maze behind the recruitment star, what bless in the street. If United had lost to Liverpool, it would have been massive headlines about that. About the gap between United and Liverpool, about the problems that Ten Hag has, about how much better Jurgen Klopp is, all of that. But as soon as United won, it was rendered meaningless, right? No one pointed out the fact that Liverpool's first team played United's second team, second half, right? And so now it was only Crystal Palace, it was all the young kids. We know, right? But this isn't about Crystal Palace, not about Liverpool. It's about what United are doing. We're not there to watch that. We know Melbourne aren't the best team in the world, right? So... By the way, Mr. Nunez, same guy deleted his social media because he was being criticized in his first season at Benfica, already coming out after two preseason games and uh, going after the doubters. I'm telling you right now, that is a massive gamble for Liverpool. And uh, if he starts badly, and this is one of the reasons why we're talking about how, good pre- how important preseason is, a young guy is going to find it very, very difficult um, because the criticism will be off the charts, especially if Liverpool are off a pace, which is possible. So to me, I think uh, very, very encouraging what we're seeing in pre-season because United showing things that they've lacked for so long. And um, I, 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 it's none of anyone else's business how United fans feel about their football team. No. That's it, and let, let's hope we have a, a good start to the season and uh, put things right. Yeah, so, uh, folks, thanks for all the downloads, likes, retweets. Don't forget, follow Beyond the Pitch, at Beyond the Pitch, follow my colleague here, at Colin McGuigan. And uh, make sure you give me a follow, at Molokans. Um, and uh, thank you for all your downloads, likes, retweets, everything else. I hope your mental health is good. I hope everything else is good. And uh, be happy, because we've got a lot to be happy about right now. Take it easy, mate. Back next week. See you soon. Thank you. See you, mate. Bye.